Welcome to Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Join us as we cover conservation updates, tips and tricks to campfire chats. Hey everyone, it's Kyle Stelter, past president of the Wild Sheep Society BC. Uh, Welcome to episode number seven, where Talk is Sheep. And tonight we're talking one campfire. So pretty stoked about this one. Um, one campfire has been on our books. We've been uh, uh, promoting this program for almost three years now. And um, something that I'm super passionate about. Steve, you're super passionate about it. And tonight's awesome because we got Jonathan Proctor on the call on the Zoom tonight. And Jonathan is the uh, chair of the One Campfire Hunter Heritage Committee for the Wild Sheep Society of BC. So welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Um, so I guess before we jump into things, how's everyone doing? Steve, is it still snowing up there? Are you killing any moose yet or what's going on? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's been rainy. We've got no snow left up here and uh, temperatures have taken a, a swing back up to normal fall levels. But give it two weeks and we'll have snow on the ground as per normal. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, how's the East Kootenays? What's going on over there, Jonathan? Did you kill well, it? Well, I'm yet? actually in the, in the West Kootenays, but yeah, it, it's wet. We're, we're, uh, we're getting rain every day and it's, uh, it's cool. We did have that cold snap and had some pretty good snow, but that's mostly melted other than at higher elevation. So yeah, it's winter's coming. There's no doubt. We should, while we're talking cold, we should give a shout out to, uh, Joe Humphreys, who's probably dealing with minus 30 with the wind I hear. So uh, better you than me, buddy. Where's that at? Up north in uh, the territories there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, winter comes early up there. Yeah, it's cold. So, um, yeah, fantastic. So what's going on with you, uh, Jonathan? Do you you get out hunting this fall? I think you had a goat tag or something, right? Yeah, I did. You know, I've done a lot of hunting this fall. we, I took a week off for archery elk and we, we hunted hard. We had really warm weather though, so that made it awfully challenging. Although we did call in a couple really nice bulls. Uh, didn't get anything on the ground. Um, uh, and then I did a little rifle hunting for elk and that was fairly unproductive. I called in a five point. Of course, it's six points only here. Um, so that, that was exciting, but freezer is still empty. And, and yeah, I did a goat hunt. We, we took six days off for goat hunting, but you know, all but a day and a half, we had nothing but fog and rain. So we, we had challenging conditions, although we did get up, spend a night up on the mountain, which was a real adventure, a real adventure coming down too. It was about six hours of, uh, of steep and about three hours of it was over blowdown that it was actually kind of unbelievable. Some of the blowdown was probably 36 inches around, like just or, or diameter it was just unbelievable because like, West Kootenays is an interior rainforest and we get some big trees it was yeah it was quite quite an adventure but uh you know no goat down but uh, a memorable trip what about you Kyle how's the weather where you're at <laughs> yeah so same I had a LEH um, goat uh, put in region three 
And uh, me and my buddy went out for, um, we only had five days. It was uh, pretty short, which obviously you guys all know that that doesn't give you a lot of time. And we just got hammered with the weather. There was a, a coastal storm coming in. We knew it was going to be bad, but you never know in the mountains, right? We looked at the forecast and we, yeah, it's probably going to be ugly, but had the five days. And, you know, like they say, you're never going to kill anything sitting at home, right? So uh, through the pack on day one, we we're up um, kind of through the pass at two o'clock in the afternoon. And um, uh, the worst wind and, and one of the most intense storms I've ever seen um, when I was out hunting. Um, literally got blown off the mountain and wow. um, spent the night in the tent. It was funny. Uh, I'm laying in, in the tent. We got in the tent at 2.30 in the afternoon because uh, it was literally just straight rain and wind. And we're laying in the tent. Um, and 12 hours later, 2 in the morning, I, I got a, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. And I'm like, oh, like I, like, was a grizzly bear? What's going on? And, I think the, I think the tents collapsed. And I'm like, what? And uh, I turned my face, and the tent is literally. So we got a Killerberg, obviously a great product. It wasn't the tent's fault. Um, there was just heavy, heavy snow, um, and uh, obviously it was melting. But there was over six inches laying around on the ground while we were there. So obviously a lot more than that melted. So we got up in the morning, looked at the uh, inreach, and they were calling heavy snow for two days. So anyway, back out over the top, and uh, again, just super treacherous and and. Uh, crazy but uh, super fun too right so pushing the limits of what I was comfortable with um, and we did see some goats but uh, they lived to fight another day and we got uh, our butts handed to us kicked off the mountain so yeah pretty cool so fun yeah it, it's interesting how so many trips where you don't actually harvest anything can be your most memorable yeah. that's what and it's all about right adventures. how about you Steve you've been out a bit I guess eh uh, I, I did uh, a week's excursion uh northwest of town here uh with some good buddies and we managed to get on a bunch of bears no moose were seen well nothing with antlers tons of lynx were seen bunch of predator sign great habitat and just overall a great time but uh yeah just, just a single bear down for me cool that's a good fall yeah definitely got some meat in the freezer and i guess you probably yeah. do some predator stuff this winter right what's that you'll probably do some predator stuff this winter oh yeah right? yeah absolutely yeah lynx is on the agenda so that's always a fun hunt for me. Cool. Cool. So one campfire, um, you know, Jonathan, you're the chair. Um, let's just hear a little bit about, I know some of our, even our own members don't know exactly what one campfire is. And we hear the term hunter heritage. How does that all fit in? And what does that mean? And what's one campfire a little bit about? If you just talk a little bit about it, Steve, jump in, just let's give the, give our listeners an overview of what one campfire is all about. Yeah. Well, Kyle, basically the, the concept of one campfire started about three years ago. Um, and it, it started after the um, NDP government banned the grizzly hunt. That was really the, the wake up call for hunters. And, uh, you know, as you well know, and we realized that, you know, our, our, our heritage of hunting in, in the province was under attack. And, and I think we'd known that, but we hadn't actually seen you know, anything as dramatic as a whole species being taken away from, from wildlife management in the way that grizzlies were. And we realized that we were allowing, you know, anti-hunting organizations to control the narrative of, you know, who hunters are, why we hunt, you know, the, you know, the foundations of wildlife management and in, in across North America. And, you know, we decided it was time to try to, you know, control that narrative ourselves as much as we can. So, it started out as Hunter Heritage, the committee, and from that, it, it, it basically 
morphed into one campfire. Um, and basically one campfire, the concept around one campfire is, is, is basically to show the relevance of hunting in modern society and, and, and show that it is important today and, and that the motivations for hunting um, often fall outside of, of what many non-hunters think. And, and we're just trying to communicate, tell our story, you know, talk about who we are, why we right. hunt, and, and show the diversity of hunters that are out there. I think there's a stereotype that a lot of people hold regarding who hunters are. And, and you know, that stereotype is often wrong. And, and we, we really want to show that and just, just basically tell our, our side of the story and, and, and uh, communicate with the non-hunting public in a way that's going to be productive and, you know, allow them to feel comfortable and, and you know, be able to exchange ideas, ask questions, you know, that sort of thing. And you know, that's, that's really what this endeavor is about. And, and, and that's exactly it, JP. It's, it was created to, to show that we have more in common with an, a non-hunter than we, than we don't. We all love the outdoors. We all want to see sustainable uh, wildlife on the landscape. Uh, we love foraging. We, lo we love uh, true free-range organic food. We love hiking. We love jet boating. We love fishing. Uh, we love photography. There, there's just, we, we're telling the story that there's so much more than the perceived trigger pull. Uh, it's, it's a whole journey and we're, we're trying to tell that story to, to get a conversation going. So it's like yeah. a two-way street. Yeah, and I think for me, sorry, Colin, I'm going to say something. I think for me too, and when I was approached originally about three years ago as to whether I wanted to be involved, you know, with Hunter Heritage at the time, um, you know, there was a couple reasons I wanted to. One was hunting is important to me. And, you know, I find that a lot of my connection to the land and my knowledge of the land and animals comes from my experiences hunting. And, you know, I wouldn't be the same person that I am if I wasn't a hunter. That's, there's no question about that. But the other thing is, and I think this is the part that in, in some ways is maybe more important to me as an individual, is that when you look at the history of wildlife management across North America, and, and, and you, you study it in any depth at all, you, you, you soon realize that wildlife is thriving across North America in most jurisdictions. And, and the reason it's thriving is because of hunters, not in spite of hunters. And my fear is if, if hunting goes away, if hunting suddenly, you know, becomes something that, that you know, we're not unable to do, you know, the passion of conservation of wildlife, I, I, I fear will disappear. And I think, you know, I, I think hunting and, and maintaining our hunting heritage is, is more than just allowing us to continue to do something that we enjoy that puts food on the table and connects us to the land. It, it, it also creates millions of passionate people that, that care about wildlife and they, and they spend their money, they, they volunteer their time, you know, they join organizations that are doing a lot of good in, in, in wildlife conservation. And, and I think if hunting went away, we'd lose just a tremendous amount of that. And I think that's a big concern in my Absolutely. In, in BC alone, I, I think the last number five years ago that hunters and anglers and outdoor recreationalists donate over 300,000 volunteer hours a year yeah. to, to projects. And it was something like $320 million goes into local economies just from hunting in BC alone. And since the late 1930s in the States, the Pittman-Robertson Act, uh, tax that goes on to outdoor goods there is, is injected over a billion dollars in, in, into uh, fish and wildlife and habitat. And that's because hunters care and we, and we yeah. want to give back. 
Yeah, and, and you even see that, like even with the Wild Sheep Society BC, I'm, I'm always in awe of the, the people that donate and volunteer so much. You know, their time, their money. Um, you, you guys are, you know, examples of that. And, you know, that's inspiring. And I think, you know, when I, when I look at the hunting community and, and the, the work that's been done for the conservation of wildlife and all wildlife, I mean, you know, we might have a, a certain species that we, you know, say the Wild Sheep Foundation, for example, or Wild Sheep Society BC, you know, our primary species are sheep species that, that we're directly, you know, trying to promote the conservation of. But there's so many other species that benefit from those efforts. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I feel humbled when I see the kind of work that these organizations are doing. And, and the reality is these, the, the men and women that are doing the work are almost always hunters. That's right. So, yeah, just take, take in point, sorry, well, I'll finish up here with the, the Wild Sheep Society, the, the Granby project that we just completed, uh, another purchase of. Uh, it, yes, it holds sheep, but there, there's Sarah listed animals in there that we're getting pictures of now, badger. Got a picture of a badger in there, which is a critically in, endangered animal in BC. I think there's what last count was less than 300. And we bought it on a small section of land that we were helping protect. There's there's birds and there's snakes and there's deer. It's so much more than sheep. And it's it, it's because, as JP said, we, we truly care that we want to give back and make a difference. So on that note, so we're talking about species specific in the Wild Sheep Society of BC now. You reference one campfire and hunter heritage evolving from the band of the grizzly bear hunt. So uh, almost a species identity crisis there for us. So I think the important part to note with that is that, um, you know, the decision to ban the grizzly bear hunt wasn't a conservation decision. It was a, it wasn't a science-based management decision. It was an emotional decision, right? And um, that's where we as an organization were, um, it, it scared the heck out of us because um, our, the bedrock of what we do as hunters has always been science-based wildlife management. Uh, regional biologists are, are driving um, everything in the province, right? That's what they do. Um, you know, the society works with these entities and we provide funding for them and support, but it's always based on science-based wildlife management. Now, here we have the, the polls and emotion dictating um, policy around wildlife management in the province, and that scared the heck out of us. And it was interesting when that happened, uh, it was December 19th, 2017, that uh, decision was made. And we knew that something was coming. We kind of thought it was going to be, a, had to retain the meat. It had to be a sustenance type hunt. Um, but it really caught us off guard that they, uh, because the government had, um, they had campaigned on the fact that they weren't actually going to ban the grizzly bear hunt, right? So that was one of the things that scared us. Um, so we asked our members, you know, what do you think? Actually, we wrote, I wrote an op-ed called uh, Shifting Focuses at Time. And we shared it with our membership and it was sort of asking our membership, you know, do we want to get involved with this fight? Yes, it's grizzly bears, but, um, you know, is sheep next or what species is next? And if it's emotional, you know, is this the way we want the, the province to be run with wildlife management? And the feedback from that was resounding. We got dozens of emails back. Very rarely do we put anything out that's emotive. There is some things, but that one was huge. It was the most emotive issue we've seen. And from there, we knew as an organization that we had to do something and our board supported it. Um, so th I think that that's important to note that even though grizzly bear precipitated this, um, you know, there's nothing stopping uh, the next species going. And we know that it's happening with uh, wolves are on the chopping block, uh, black bears, uh, predators of the low hanging fruit right now. Uh, but, you know, it's just going to be one after the other if we don't sort of change that narrative. Right. So 
Well, I, and I think that you exactly nailed it, Kyle. I think, you know, when, when the BC government uh, banned grizzly bear hunting, that was a significant departure from the principles of the North American wildlife model of wildlife management, right? That, that, that North America has been managing wildlife under for decades. You know, that came into formal uh, use in the 80s, I believe. But I mean, it, that, it had basically been going on that way for a long time where, you know, science was the tool that we were using to make wildlife management decisions. And, you know, regardless of what species it was, it just happened to be grizzlies. The, the, the worrisome part about that is, is that the government was indicating its willingness to abandon science and sound wildlife management policy in favor of populism and in, in the wildlife, in the management of wildlife. And, you know, that, that should be concerning to anybody, regardless whether you're a hunter or not, um, especially considering how well that model has worked across North America. I mean, it's brought virtually every species, large mammal, megafaunal species in, in North America is far more abundant than it was a century ago. In fact, there's very few that aren't. And that's because of the, the, that model and the way that 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 model has been discharged over the last several decades. And, and departing from that takes us into territory that we don't know where that goes. We don't know how that even works because we, when you start, if you think about the wildlife managers in, in the province, you want them to have a full quiver of tools to manage wildlife. And you start pulling those, the arrows out of the quiver, you really limit the, the types of management decisions they can make. And, and, yeah, so the ramifications of, of banning the grizzly bear hunt based on populism, you know, had to have and, and, and had the potential to be very massive and detrimental to wildlife management. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, let's just um, circle back to the campaign itself. So One Campfire is an initiative. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, partners, how it's funded, um, and what's been done. So let's let's start off with that low-hanging fruit. Who's Who's, who are we working with and, and where's the money coming from for this? Well, I mean, basically the, the money that, that we're getting primarily is from donations, fundraising, um, raffles, and our partnership with the Wild Sheep Foundation. The Wild Sheep Foundation's been a, a great uh, supporter. Uh, in fact, the One Camper Committee is now under the, the umbrella of the Wild Sheep Foundation. Uh, but yeah, I mean, basically we're relying on you know, for the most part, uh, you know, fundraising activities and, uh, you know, donations of, of goods that can be raffled and auctioned off, that sort of thing. Just the typical grassroots, um, you know, fundraising that, that most conservation organizations rely on, I think, has, has been our primary source. And you guys can expand on that. Well, it's definitely being paid for by hunters, right? Um, so right. there's no question about that. that this is a, a campaign funded by the hunting community. Uh, it's coming in, uh, internally from our own individuals. And there's been tons of support. All, obviously, the Wild Sheep Foundation is our partner on the One Campfire Initiative. Um, it's their campaign as well. Um, and they've been very generous in supporting us. And we've definitely held our own. Our members have stepped up big time. We've got a, a ton of donations, um, which has been really important. And we've seen a lot of donations early on. It's not quite as prolific, prolific now um, that we're up and going. But we also haven't been soliciting that stuff either, right? Yeah. So. Um, but, um, you know, our members uh, have been very generous and, um, and then quite often we'll have raffles or we'll have, um, you know, um, uh, items that are up for auction where the proceeds are going to one campfire, which we, we communicate with our members as well. So 
Um, and then there's been a lot ton of support throughout the BC hunting community, right? Um, guide outfitters, residents, uh, fish and game clubs. Uh, so a ton of support from different entities there from big clubs to smaller clubs. It, it's been fantastic. Um, been very, very generous. So, um, you know, it's been, we've seen a strong support for it and which tells us something, right? Um, if there's money, uh, there to support it, people want it. Right. So, um, you know, obviously we're always trying to find new fundraising initiatives to make things happen. And it's been challenging with, you know, the current, you know, state of affairs in, you know, with COVID and all that sort of stuff, the current pandemic, but, um, you know, we've been, we've, I think we've held our own and done very well and, and tons yeah. of support in the industry, which has been fantastic. So, yeah, COVID's definitely, you know, put a damper on some of that. There's no doubt, but, you know, I think, you know, especially the, you know, the rod and gun clubs and the fish and game clubs throughout the province, I think once they learn about what we're doing and, and, uh, you know, most of them have done what they can. And, you know, even, even despite how difficult things are now with, with COVID and, you know, again, we got to, we have to applaud these, these organizations for the, you know, for the contributions they're making. But yeah, I, 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 I would say exactly the same thing as you, Kyle, we, you know, the, it's been this, the, the hunters and the, and the, you know, hunting organizations have been coming, stepping up to the plate and, and supporting one campfire. Well, the last, last year we had a number of uh, great donations. Um, and uh, we just actually got word two days ago that Spitsizi River Outfitters is stepping up again with a moose hunt, um, which will be uh, sold down in Reno um, through uh, the sheep show this year. Um, so fantastic donation. That's going to go a long way to funding our initiatives. Um, and this year, Bonnie's uh, Sports Chalet of Alaska, um, they've stepped up big time and they're um, going to basically underwrite a, a raffle that we're going to do through the Wild Sheep Foundation at Sheep Show as well. Um, and we're expecting that that will do really well. That Barney Sheep Camp has always been very popular, and this is going to be kind of a modified sheep camp. So um, great funding uh, support there from uh, from those two organizations. Uh, but you know, it's it's not exclusively those two. There's been a number of um, organizations and companies, and um, and obviously our members that have stepped up. So um, let's let's move on now. Let's talk about the campaign itself. So. Um, you know, one thing that I always get, uh, people say, well, are we making a difference? Are we making a difference? Is it just, are we just hunters talking to hunters? And that's been one of the criticisms, like, well, I never see the one campfire campaign. And uh, it, our argument is, well, you're not our target audience, right? If you're a hunter, we're not trying to put this in front of you. Uh, but are we making a difference? And I know, Steve, you do a lot of the social media management. Maybe you want to talk about some of the numbers. Do you feel like we're making a difference in the world? Can you talk about some KPIs or anything like that? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, to be blunt, we are making a difference. Uh, our, our, our reach and our follows keep, keep trending upwards. And with our recent photo contest, over half of the people that submitted didn't identify themselves as hunters. We have uh, an opportunity for people to tell us what they identify as. Do they identify as an outdoor enthusiast, a hunter, an angler, a photographer? And it's pretty much a 50-50 split. We are, we are reaching a, a lot of, of our, our key demographics, which as Kyle stated, are outside of the hunting world. Uh, multiple chairs we get are in hiking groups. Uh, our, our biggest engagement seems to be in the, the uh, wild edibles and the, the, the cooking style stuff in, in outdoor groups as well. So we, we don't have an overly in your face hunting message but we do kind of allude to it we'll talk about uh being outdoors and sustainability off the land and 
kind of giving people the, uh, the, the, the little appetizer to come check us out. Lots of messages will come in and say, hey, uh, I'm not a hunter, but I'm curious about it. I love what you're doing. Your messaging is great. So, so some of the numbers we can talk about is we, we did a soft launch in Reno at what? February 2019. And then we went live in April of 2019. So between April 2019 to July 1st, 2020, we were, we were kind of hoping we'd hit 2 million people in our reach. And we had over 2.7 million that we reached in there. So, and that, that just continues to trend. Up. So it's, it's, it, it shows that we're, we're reaching people are liking they're sharing and they're interacting. Another really cool uh, thing we put out there. We've only got seven videos and our longest is seven minutes in length. So I, I did some numbers the other day. We've been live for 631 days as of November 1st. And in that time, just those seven videos, we have over 2,133 hours of viewership. It works wow. out to 89 straight days of video views. That's over 128,000 minutes viewed. So our numbers, just because people aren't liking or commenting, people aren't paying attention. But we know that, like I said, that's outside of the hunting world because we don't share this much in hunting groups. It's getting shared outside of those, those, those ones. So I, I do think we are making a difference because we're, we're not getting the hate. We're not getting the trolls. We're not getting the people saying you're murderers, you're killers. That traditional hunting style posts, staying tasteful. We're staying away from the grip and grins and we're showing the, the positives of the messaging we're uh, trying to get out there. That's interesting too, because you know, if the anti-hunting community is going to target anyone, you'd think they'd be targeting, targeting an advocacy group and a hunting advocacy group. Right. So the fact that, you know, we've, we've kind of held our own um, and that, that's a testament to our social media team on the way they've handled it too. You know, we do get some crap in there once in a while. Um, and it's usually an opportunity for dialogue. It's not even a click ban delete. It's a dialogue and, um, and you, you don't always change the hearts and minds of, of everybody, but I think you are changing the hearts and minds um what with what we're doing um on the social media side for sure well, well case case in point we got one that uh carla carla brower she's uh a former vegan that is now a hunter we're not saying we changed her mind but she has engaged with us pretty heavily she's a big supporter of us and she does share our messaging so clearly we're not overtly in people's face but we've got former vegans that are interacting and supporting. So we're doing that right. Fantastic. It's yeah. interesting. Oh, sorry, JP, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Stephen, you, you've done a fantastic job managing the social media and, and there, you know, we have some other fairly big influencers uh, in the social media world that Steve's developing great relationships with and, and they've got, you know, tens of thousands of followers. So, you know, we, we are getting one campfire in front of, you know, really hundreds of thousands of people. And, you know, the vast majority would not be hunters. They would be our target demographic, there's no doubt. Yeah, totally. And, we're getting, yeah. we're getting and, noticed by like deer meat for dinner. Who's what? Yeah, uh, exactly. Three, mil yeah. three million yeah. viewers. He's, a, he's, he's not messaging directly, but he has commented, liked, and, and uh, his followers are noticing. And any of his YouTube videos, I'd say what, 90% of them are not hunters and fishers or anglers. Oh, yeah. They are just wanting to see that sort of lifestyle so well, we are making a difference 
that's the thing with with I, I mean paying attention to these successful YouTubers that people that have these YouTube channels that are related to hunting and fishing and when you read the comments after they're you know on the, below the the channel the it's obvious that the vast majority of them do not hunt or fish you know a lot of them live in Spain and you know they say well, I wish I could do that they're intrigued by it and just like people in British Columbia I mean people long for that connection you know and I think that that you know people try to find that connection in, in a variety of ways and you know, but there's definitely something that people want, that they want to they want to connect to the land around them in a way that maybe they haven't before. And you really see that, you know, in some of these YouTube channels and some of the comments you read after, you can tell there's a real, a real hunger for that. And I think that's one thing you've done really well, Steve, is you've provided the kind of content that is really appealing to people that they just want to explore that. Um, but going back to the photo contest, interestingly, Steve shared a couple of people from Nelson that submitted photos, and I happen to know both of them and <laughs> as, as patients, and neither of them are hunters. Both of them, like, they're not, you know, so I mean, that, that's telling. The two people from Nelson that, that submitted photos, neither, neither hunt, you know, so I think we, we are getting people to, to visit our website and, and interact with us that, you know, that, that demographic that we want. Well, it's interesting, Steve, you mentioned the, uh, you know, how much time uh, our videos have been watched, how many hours, what was the 800 hours or something like that? It was uh, whatever the number was. And I thought that that was, um, that's a pretty compelling stat too, because it's one thing for somebody to, to visit your site, you get, you get your one click or you get your like, or you get your, yeah. you know, your impression, but for people to sit and watch through that. And, and truth is, is our materials not really hunter centric it's not really designed for consumption by the three of us we probably wouldn't typically go and you know um, watch these videos uh, over and over it's not it's kind of targeted at the non-hunter right so um, it's interesting that we're getting that much traction through these videos and the people um, I remember um, with the support of one of our marketing uh, partners uh, they'd said that our the time on our site was phenomenal compared to other sites it was through the roof compared to, and I don't remember the, uh, the number they had, but compared to other sites, it was, it was much higher than other um, websites they'd seen traditionally. So I thought that that was pretty compelling. And the other stat they shared with us is this was early on in the campaign, but they, they showed the number of unique um, visits to our content on social media. And I think they said that the number had 8% of British Columbians yeah. um, seeing our content. And that was, that was like six months into our campaign. Um, so pretty phenomenal to get that kind of traction and that kind of support. Um, and obviously 8% of, uh, BC, there's not 8% of us are hunters, right? So, um, is that right? 8% of 4 million or whatever the number is. Anyway, regardless, yeah. it's fantastic. We, the outreach was, uh, was really fantastic. Those numbers were very compelling. So yeah, first 120 days, people clicked play manually clicked play 1.6 million times. And over 140,000 of those, the videos were watched to 50%. 80,000 of those, they were watched 100%. So that's, that's insane. That's, that is. That's 1.6% of BC's population watched our videos to completion. And I have to say, just a shout out to Monashi Media and Filter Studios. Uh, uh, the, Adam Yonke was kind of the... Uh, spearheaded that project and those first um, videos were you know just so compelling they, they were so they were so well done and it's no surprise to me that they resonated so well it was just such a high quality for sure so shout out to our partners on supporting us on that and, and Adam for getting that off the ground for us for sure so so 
Okay, we talked a little bit about where we've been, some successes. Um, what can we expect from One Campfire? Where are we headed? What's new? What's on the horizon? Um, don't want to give all our trade secrets away, but what do we got in the pipe? So. Well, I'll speak to this first, and then Steve can can take off with it. But there's a few things. Um, we did launch on September 1st uh, a campaign we call iHunt, which is a campaign that's designed to directly challenge the stereotypes people might have about hunters. We're, we're trying to showcase, um, you know, non-traditional hunters or, or hunters that would not fall into that normal sort of white male stereotype. So, you know, female hunters, uh, you know, hunters, of, you know, different uh, ethnicities, that sort of thing. So that, that has been launched, but we're developing a, a page on our website that's going to be dedicated to iHunt and it'll have the different people that, that, that have contributed their, their images and their story that you'll be able to visit. And there'll be some, you know, sentences of why they hunt, why they've made those decisions and, you know, how they've come to, to, to uh, you know, join the hunting world. Um, and once we have that, that web page up on our website, we're going to um, expand that iHunt program and get our iHunt ads into, you know, I think a lot of publications in the lower mainland, you know, the, you know, the type of publications that, you know, uh, Non non hunters would be would be uh, you know uh, reading Narwhal and a few others, uh, but you know we want to expand that and maybe even get some some images on uh, transit. You know, especially once COVID is over and we get the, you know the high volumes of people traveling transit and you know downtown Vancouver, maybe get a big eye hunt poster down there where people can see it, that sort of thing. You know, just again, just really trying to directly challenge people's stereotypes. That's one thing we're developing. Steve and I are going to be writing a couple of articles um, to submit for publications as well. Uh, and again, you know, those, that might be a mix of publications in, in hunting type magazines and non-hunting publications as well, because we do need to communicate with our, our hunting base as well, right? We need to have, you know, them in the loop. Um, and yeah, though, as far as the, you know, the social media side goes, we're going to be expanding our, our efforts, you know, with our influencers. Steve's been and Steve can take off from here. Basically, uh, he can talk about some of the stuff he's been doing, establishing these relationships, and um, you know we're going to continue on with that. We might look at even doing. A, 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 I'll let Steve talk about this one: a, a potential video, sort of a, a catch, clean, cook video, as well with a, a fairly uh, significant influencer. Did you want to take off on that one, Steve? Sure. Yeah, without giving away too many trade secrets. Yeah, you, um... I don't know if you want to name names or not, but you can. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be probably fairly significant when it's, it comes to pass. It, it, it is. Uh, we've developed some, some great relationships with some big name influencers out of the United States so far. Um, just, just from the way our messaging is hitting people, when, we, when you talk about a target demographic, would you ever have expected us to be interacting with a WWE wrestler? That's somebody who interacts with us now. He's a new hunter, uh, and it's totally outside of what we ever expected. So there, there's big potential there. Um, we're, we're looking towards uh, catch clean cooks at the advice of these influence. So there is there, there's some big potential coming down. Uh, we we do have a lot of new content that's being storyboarded right now. We're script writing. Uh, we're we're kind of timelining out some some ideas for the future. And as as we said, we're not going to give away too many trade secrets, but we do have. Uh, we, we did mention, or JP mentioned uh, transit down in Vancouver. We do have actually two buses running around down there 
with one campfire on the back end of them. So we were kind of hoping to get them into uh, SkyTrain stations in high traffic locations. However, due to COVID, the, the, view, the, the ridership is something at 10% of what it once was. So the, the return on investment really wasn't there. So we have focused our efforts into other things as of, as of now. And the, uh, we're talking about the website development, getting more content on there. We got some really cool things that I'm excited to be working with our web guys on that are being programmed as we speak. Not giving away too much, but uh, it's, it's, it's exciting times for us in the year ahead. And uh, I, I'm so stoked to be working with it. I guess we, we can probably talk about our up and upcoming web store. We're going to be uh, developing a web store as well. That's going to be on our website and it's actually going to be a, a pretty nice store. It'll, you know, people to buy different um, swag, you know, t-shirts, hats, hoodies, things like that. And, you know, with a, a variety of different placements of one campfires logo and probably a different couple logos as well. So, you know, that's going to be fairly exciting uh, to have good that slogans, on there. So some good slogans we got uh, coming yeah. out and, yeah again again until those things are totally complete we kind of want to keep them the specifics uh under wraps we've got some some ideas there that i think are going to be very popular yeah um yeah so that'll be good and and one of the things steve and i've talked about and i talked to you about a little bit kyle is we're, we're going to be looking at developing a network of one campfire ambassadors that you know have multiple ambassadors throughout the province who can um basically set up meetings with the MLAs throughout the province and, and just talk about some of the concerns that, you know, that, that you know, we have and, you know, concerns of hunters in general, and just, just basically advocate for our hunting heritage to, you know, some of the, the policy and lawmakers and, and just let, cause I, I feel like, you know, they do get lobbied by the anti-hunting organizations fairly heavily at times. And I think it's, it's, it's about time we, we had a network of, of, you know, articulate, well-spoken individuals just to, to tell our side of things and then communicate maybe the other side of things that they don't normally hear. Um, so that that's in the works as well. That's that's in its infancy, but I, we're hoping to have that network established of, of one campfire ambassadors, hopefully within, the, you know, the next six months. Because I think it'd, it'd be nice to get, you know, get those people in place and get those meetings lined up within the first year of this new NDP uh, government. Yeah, it's yes. not only the it's not only the hearts and minds we got to change to the non-hunters. It's the hearts and minds of the ones that hold the ultimate power, right? Yeah, because I mean, if all the, if you know if you're an MLA in downtown Vancouver and the only person who meets with you is somebody who wants to see, you know, all predator hunting banned, and you don't hear from anybody else, and you know nothing about it, I mean, what conclusions are you going to draw, right? I mean, I think I think we just need to to be a little more proactive politically, and I think one campfire could be a uh, you know, a way we can do that. So that that's that's another very significant plan we have. We've started. Sounds good, Jonathan. So um, we've got this program. We've been up and going three years, give or take. Um, are we are we we've done our job? Are we good? Can we dust off our gloves, go back to to bed, and and call it a day? Or is this something that's sticking around? Is this going to be a flash in the pan? Uh, where do you guys see this? Um, you know, two years, five years, ten years. What 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 are your thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, I think we're just getting started myself. I think, you know, we we're, we're just getting the kind of traction I think we want in the last few months. And I, you know, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of things that we can do yet. Um, aside from getting involved politically, I mean, most people in BC still have very little knowledge of, of the relevant relevancy of hunting in, in modern society. I mean, most people, this is not something they think about, right? So 
we have we still have a lot of work to to try to I think change the you know the the the, the story you know change the narrative to to basically to tell the truth I mean you, you we have to be um, I think somewhat aggressive in that and I think we've been doing that but you know I moving forward we're also going to be relying on some data and research that a company called we think is, is doing for us they're I don't know this may be a question you were going to ask Hal, but you know they're basically a, a, an outfit that you know looks at your problem looks at your your marketing issue and analyzes data and and tries to determine the best way to communicate what you want to communicate and and it's a science-based approach so the results of of their of their research you know haven't been made available to us yet they're still if that's still ongoing but that's also going to help us you know in the in the you know mid to long term you strategize you know how we're going to continue on in an effective way so i'm excited about that i think you know hopefully we'll get some really good pearls out of that that research and uh, i think that'll really help help us uh, um, you know move forward okay good stuff so what what can our members our supporters what can they do they they're on the sidelines they hear about one campfire we've definitely had some generous support um, what do we need our membership to doing? What what do we want to see from them? And what would what do we need support to to carry out our objectives to the One Campfire Initiative? Well, I mean, I, I think there's different levels of support. I mean, the the most obvious one is financial support. Anybody that's able to, you know, to donate, you know, something towards the One Campfire campaign, that's that's going to be appreciated. There's no question about that. Um, the the other thing I think I would I'd really like to see hunters do, and, and some of them have been doing it, is just help us to expand our messaging. Because you know, if you happen to be a hunter that encounters one campfire content, particularly on social media, because I mean, social media is just the world that we live in now. Um, you know, if if the average hunter could could share our content, like our content, um, you know, the that's going to help us a lot. That's going to get that material in front of a lot more people. Um, so, I mean, that's a very easy thing to do is, is yeah. just like, share, interact, leave a comment, tell, tell somebody who's, who sees it on your wall. What's, what's that? Well, this is what this is. Oh, get that conversation going as, yeah. as, as we've been talking about since the beginning of this, we need to normalize it. We don't, when I, when I was a kid, it, it wasn't uncommon to see a, a truck driving down the street with a deer strapped to the hood or whatever, and pull into a gas station. Every comes up, high fives, asks the conversation. That doesn't happen anymore. So we need to kind of put that conversation in people's face in a way that they can relate to, in a way that they can understand. Don't 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 talk about oh how awesome it was when you watched the animal drop because that's not what it's about. We're telling a story of what gets us there, and the most successful hunts are the ones where nothing is killed. The yeah. ones I remember are, are the ones like Kyle mentioned at the beginning, where a uh, the, the, the tent collapses on you and that's a story your your kids will be telling it's never about the, the the biggest baddest animal you've got it's always those little nuggets of wisdom that you take away from just being in the backcountry and that's what we're trying to share out there so we need you to help tell that story as well yeah that, that's a good point steve i think i think you know dovetailing onto that is you know for the hunters that might be watching this you know one thing that we need to be sentient of as hunters is the way we portray ourselves, you know, and I think there's been some content on social media that hunters have put up there. That's 
you know, appalling, you know, and if, if you were a non-hunter viewing this content, you know, your, your impression of hunting is not going to be positive. And I think when, when hunters are putting stuff on social media and I encourage hunters to do so, I think, you know, we, we shouldn't be hiding. We should be, we should be visible. Um, but, you know, just, you know, think about what you're putting on there and, and really ask yourself, is this the best way to tell the story? You know, is this, is this telling the story to like, and I think given that social media by and large is consumed by, you know, 96% of the people consuming it don't hunt. You can assume that there's going to be a lot of people who don't hunt that see your, your content. And, you know, I, I think hunters should try to, you know, at least endeavor to tell a story that would resonate with non-hunters, you yeah. know, the whole story. Cause if you just show the kill and you know, the yahoos and stuff like that, we get it. We're hunters. We know what, what, had to go in was put into that effort before that point but but non-hunters don't necessarily understand that and i think i think we do need to, to do a better job as individuals on social media portraying ourselves in a way that um tells the story better yeah be an ambassador for her yeah right. yeah and actually the other point i'll make is you know this reminding me we're actually um rebecca peters and i uh, uh, generated a some a document that has been designed to be uh, uh, consumed by new hunters. And it basically discusses, you know, a little bit of the history of hunting and, you know, that sort of thing, but also talks about interacting on social media, things like that. And, you know, we're going to try to get that in the, in the hands of all new hunters in BC and probably beyond that. We're still, we still haven't decided the, um, you know, the format of that, whether that's going to be written or, or possibly video, there might be the, an opportunity to turn this into something, you know, we can have, a, have some video of, uh, so, you know, we're, we're actively, you know, trying to help hunters, especially new hunters navigate the world of social media and, and, and represent hunting in, in the most positive light possible. Steve, you, you used a great word there ambassadors. And I think that, you know, we all have to take a personal responsibility and, and you guys just talked about that, but I think it goes beyond social media. I think it goes to your next door neighbor, um, having a dialogue with them. Um, you know, the people down the street and developing these relationships and talking about what we do about hunting and having them understand that. And if every single of a hundred thousand hunters in BC, if we all did that with all our neighbors, um, I think hunting, hunting would be a lot more accepted. I think a lot of us, um, we don't spend enough time talking to people in our own communities and, and mm-hmm. helping, helping them understand. I know I always try and take that opportunity. And if I'm, if I ever managed to harvest anything, which had a bit of a dry spell here for a few years, you know, and I know a lot of hunters do this and I think we need to keep this up is sharing that meat, right. And having that dialogue. And I know you guys, I've talked to you both. I know you guys do that, but I think hunters need to have that dialogue, keep it going. And we can't be in the shadows. We have to have that positive dialogue and be role models in our community, not only Mm -hmm. uh, particularly for hunting. Right. So I think it goes beyond just, clicking on a screen and liking that's definitely very imperative and very, you know, maybe arguably more, but I think we equally as much, we have to be ambassadors in our own community for hunting and sharing that message all the time. So uh, go ahead. John. Yeah, yeah I, I agree, Kyle. I think, I think that's, that's huge. I mean, I, I think even myself, I've changed to be quite honest. I mean, you know, a few years ago, if I was taking a week off of hunting and somebody says, Oh, where were you? When I get back to work, like one of my patients, I just say, Oh, I was, you know, wait for a week. Now I say oh, I was moose hunting, I was, you know, sheep hunting, whatever. I, I, I really do put the effort into to let people know that I hunt. And, you know, again, when I'm successful, which, you know, this year is not a good example of, of a successful year, but, 
you know, I, I agree, Kyle, you know, having people, non-hunters come into your house and feed them a really good meal, a wild game, I don't think there's anything more compelling than that. And I think if, you know, if every hunter every year could pick some just non-hunter that they're acquaintance of and invite them over for a meal, that in itself is huge. I mean, if you've had a meal of, you know, an elk roast and all the fixings, and then somebody tries to tell you hunting's bad, it, it's pretty tough to convince somebody after that, yeah. you know, especially when they know that, you know, this is a sustainable ethical, you know, way to, to get protein. Um, so yeah, no, I agree, Kyle. It's interesting. I live downtown Victoria and uh, you'd think I'd be vilified for being a hunter, but it's interesting. I, I've got a number of friends that are, are vegans too, in particular that were quite, quite close and people have had over to my place for dinner and um, obviously they've not had the meat because they're meat eaters. But I've actually, uh, one of the vegans told me that um, they would eat wild meat because they, they identify with that organic, that free range that, you know, a, a lot of vegans um, don't eat meat uh, on principle, right? And it's not, it's not about the animal so much. It's more about uh, commercial, the commercial production of it and that, that aspect that that's their concern with it, right? So um, actually a lot of vegans tend to identify with, uh, with one campfire, I believe, and with hunting. Mm -hmm. And we've actually seen some pretty good success actually with it. We had that one vegan video that we did. Um, and I think it does resonate um, with, with the vegans. Um, and, and there is a connection with hunters and veganism, I guess, if you will, in the sense of just the organic free range aspect of it and, and non-commercial aspect. Right. So yeah, and that's how I've actually seen I've actually seen that in some of the, the Facebook groups we're in with one campfire. It there's a vegan and a and a meat eater group where they come together and have a conversation. And whenever somebody says they're a hunter, of course you're gonna get the people jumping on and say don't agree with it. The vast majority of vegans say, I'm okay with hunting because of exactly what Kyle said. It's it's not the mass produced, it's the true free range and ethical life that they lived before uh they're uh, on the table right so it's yeah. it's just sharing that part because we can be blunt about it what what ended the grizzly hunt was that video we all know or that bear is shot on the, the mountainside and it dies a horrible horrible death that should never happened it should never have made it on social media and that was the catalyst so we we need to be better ambassadors for what we do it's, there's, yeah. as, we, as we say, there's so much more than the kill. Yeah, and that goes back to, you know, individual hunters, you know, self-monitoring. I mean, it's a free country. You can put whatever you want on social media, but you better damn well decide whether it's worth it or not. You know, if you're putting something up there that, that, that's, that shouldn't be viewed. I mean, I, I grew up on a ranch, you know, in northern Alberta, and, and we were very, you know, compassionate to our livestock and everything. But there's certain things that happen on a ranch that you don't want the whole world to see. It's right. just the way it is. Just like as a every profession, you know, there's just there's there's things that, you know, they just happen. You know, they're not what you want it to happen, but they just happen. You don't have to share that with everybody, you know. And I'm not and not trying to be dishonest, but just you know, some common sense goes a long way. I mean, I I think that hunters need to sort of have that emotional maturity to to realize that, you know, they're they're their actions have a, a, a bigger impact. You need to self-monitor. You might think. Yeah, you need and to yeah, self-video that that precipitated the end. Of it. Yeah, somebody yeah. else is monitoring for you if you're not doing it yourself. Yeah. You, in this day and age, you see things that are posted online 15 years ago coming back to bite someone, and it it will happen, and it does happen. 
Oh, totally. And I think that's, you know, that's, we've got to, we've got to, you know, if we want to control the narrative, we've got to do it. And, and one, one terrible video of something that none of us want, ever want to see can unravel so much positive work, you know, and so much progress. And, you know, that, that's, that's important for hunters to understand is that, we, you know, we need to, uh, you know, hunting needs to re be rebranded. You know, I think we, we've let the anti-hunting organizations brand us. And, and now we have to rebrand ourselves and, and we're only going to be able to do that. You know, if, if we approach this with a certain level of maturity and just being cognizant about what we're doing. Good stuff for sure, Jonathan. So one other thing we asked what our, our membership can do, um, Jonathan mentioned the advocacy, uh, reaching out to MLA. Um, we're going to amp that up over the next few months here. Um, we actually started an, uh, an engagement uh, aspect of it, uh, uh, um, going and meeting with your MLA um, on the wild sheep side regarding, uh, you know, uh, wild sheep issues. But really this, you could put on two hats when you go see your MLA with this. So we're actually looking for volunteers that will go in and meet with their MLA. We're, we're putting that together. Now we, we've got the bones of it together and we actually have some people in places uh, in place for that. But we really would like to have all 80 um, MLA ridings across BC represented and really go in on a sort of biannual basis so like every six months and meet with your MLA um, and this is the time we really want to start because we've got a fresh um, group of minister uh, uh, elected officials in that are here for the next four years so um, if anyone's listening and wants to help us out with that you can reach out to um, exec at wildsheepsociety.com just let us know you're interested and uh, we'll get you on the list and we already have a handful of people that have already volunteered but we'll be expanding that over the next uh, few months it's going to take some time to put it together obviously in, in all writings but that's the goal so okay um so uh parting thoughts what are you guys' thoughts regarding one campfire um you know just hunting in general um what we can do as um hunters what we can do to support um the one campfire initiative uh, let's just open that up go ahead steve <laughs> <laughs> i i think we covered it beautifully uh engage with us uh like share if, if you've if you've got a, a a picture or a story that you want to tell message the facebook page let us know hey i've got something that i think might really really work because it's, it's gonna work with your support and with your help uh little things like that are gonna go a long long way if you've got 500 friends on your your friends list and you share one of our posts, that's 500 extra people that are gonna see it. And if they share, one of those people shares it, that's another 500. And our, our reach just expands and gets into the hearts and minds of people that you wouldn't expect. Because when I share it uh, out of my friends list, there's 350 people that don't hunt, but they're seeing that message. I've got elected officials on my Facebook page that see that message. They hearts and minds change without you even realizing it little things like that or go a long long way and i'd add to that steve if there's anybody who's watching this that wants to be a part of our i hunt campaign that would be great as well um you know and you know if you're a white male whatever that's fine you know we can use you but in particular if you're a hunter that doesn't fit that normal stereotype especially you know you're female you know you're you know you know, may have ethnicity other than Caucasian. I always, you know, I hate to get into that, but the reality is, is that we want to show that, I mean, one of my really good hunting buddies is, was born in India. You know, people don't, maybe wouldn't think that this, you know, accountant from 
the born in India is going to be a hunter, but he is. And we share these values. He connects the land. It's like, you know, people need to, to see the diversity of, of, of hunters uh, in the province and, and beyond. So if, if you feel like you'd be a, a good candidate for one, or I hunt uh, campaign, you know, reach out. We, we definitely love to have you. Everybody's got a story to tell as we, as we say, right? That yeah. if, if you're, if you got a gift for gap, put a pen to paper, uh, and, and send us your story. Adult onset hunters, we want to hear from you. If, if you're a former vegan, former vegetarian, and you're curious about hunting, we'd love to have a chat. There's so much opportunity there to tell each other's story. It's not just about hunting. It's about the connection we share to the landscape. You don't have to hunt to be a member of one campfire. Yeah, and if you have any great recipes, um, from you know, wild game recipes or just forage recipes, you know, we'd love to have those as well. We're, we're always looking for new and interesting recipes for our website. Old credit always goes to the writer and the photographer. Yeah. Well, fantastic, gents. I just want to take a moment here to, to thank both of you. Um, Jonathan, for your leadership, um, you stepped up this year as chair of the One Campfire Hunter Heritage Committee, and uh, you've done a fantastic job of navigating us uh, through this program. I, I see the drive and vision that you have, and uh, Great support from Colin Peters as well as our vice chair. Um, Steve, the work you're doing on, your, on the social media and the things, uh, managing that aspect, um, yeah, just hats off. Yeah, I can just see, I, I get to see the, uh, the, the backside of things uh, being on the, the Facebook page and Instagram and all the messaging and all the work that's going into it and those are relationships that are being built. And uh, I'm really excited about the future of One Campfire. I think that. Um, Jonathan, you said it perfectly. We're just getting started. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. And, um, you know, all these things take time to build. And I think well, we're, we are doing that. We're building the right rep, uh, right reputation. We've got the right messaging. Um, we're building incredible relationships. And we've got the support of some fantastic organizations. Uh, and the membership of the Wild Chief Society, BC, all those things, we can't help but be successful. So um, hats off to, to your committee, uh, JP, and, and just all the great work that's being done. So thank you guys both. Our pleasure. Excellent. Well, I think that's a wrap. Um, appreciate your time, gentlemen. And uh, we should do this again. Let's touch base uh, uh, later on here. We'll circle back and, and uh, get an update on the campaign. Uh, but this is going to go out to our membership. We really want our members to understand what we're doing. I, like I said, a lot of the stuff they don't get to see. Uh, and this is a fantastic opportunity to catch up and see what's being done. And there's a lot of stuff going on uh, behind the scenes before it, it hits, hits uh Facebook or social media and uh, some pretty cool stuff ahead for us. So fantastic. Thanks, gents. Thanks, Kyle.